Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, welcome to the podcast, dude. Good to uh, good to see you. I'll have to, um, man. I, I kind of am getting the vibe. You're probably going to be doing privates the whole time <laughs> you're here, and then like eating lunch and then teaching a seminar. So that's it. Sounds like every seminar I've ever done so far. I've just started doing seminars, and every time I do it, any downtime is basically shoveling food, sleeping, or privates. Man, and I always like, you know, I have the studio here at the gym and it's an awesome studio and I always want to have like the, the guest I'm training with or whatever on the podcast. But uh, I think this is a really good idea. Give you um, get you on the show. I can put this out um, and then more of our people that are coming to the seminar or not. Uh, OK, we'll see it. So, um, yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, man. Well, so this will be good, too, because I don't know. I don't know a ton about you. I know, I know a little bit of here and there. I know, um, you know, just kind of like in passing what I've, what I've really talked to, to Jack and just, you know, what little we've got to know each other, but you're actually lived in or, or have citizenship at one point in Australia, correct? Like, let's, yes, sir. let's start with that. Um, <laughs> how does that, how does that tie into where you are now and, did you grow up there? Like what? Yeah, sort of. So I, um, when I was about 11, my family moved to Australia and I lived in Sydney for about three, four years. And then we went back to America, lived in Atlanta until I was about 16, 17. And we moved back over to Melbourne and I stayed in Melbourne for about 20 years. So I started jujitsu in Melbourne. I spent most of my time in Melbourne and then uh, ended up getting uh, shipped over here to teach. So now I don't know what's going to happen. I might end up back in Melbourne sooner rather than later. We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is. Yeah. That's kind of, um, and again, we can fill in some more of the blanks as we go along, but you know, that's kind of the version I, I, I kind of know, you know, you lived in Australia. I didn't know you'd move back and forth, but then I uh, kind of arrived over here um, teaching jujitsu over here. Uh, that's interesting going back and forth like that. Like what are some, um, what are some of the big cultural differences that you've noted? Um, culturally, it's not much. I mean, uh, Australians drink a lot more. <laughs> it's just like the, the social pastime. If you're not having a beer, yeah. you're waiting to have a beer. So there's a lot more drinking in Australia. Uh, over here, very, very fucking competitive. So Americans are much more competitive than Australians. Um, Australians have a better sense of humor. <laughs> I, I, every time I open my mouth, I get in fucking trouble over here. Over there, it's different. Everyone's just constantly hanging shit up. Yeah, you know, dude, like sarcasm is a lost art right now, you know? Uh, with, <laughs> yeah. In this country, like... Uh, it, people think you're being stupid or inappropriate in, <laughs> in in times when you're just making a joke like you would with your with your buddies and i mean you know I, i'm talking like on the loose end of the spectrum might not even go on but i get what you're saying like that is in that, that appears to be uh within the last decade 
Uh, yeah, I man, I've been out of town for a long time. I, I remember traveling back and forth <clears throat> to train with Hickson because I'd be in Australia. We'd have to fly over and stay for a chunk of time to do my privates and then fly back. What happened was um, I'd show up at an academy and I'd just start talking shit. And everyone would just stare at me <laughs> like a dog being shown a card trick. It was brutal. I just learned how to shut my mouth. So... Yeah, that's interesting, though, because, like, I mean, you're probably, like, so what you're saying is for you, that's kind of like for making small talk. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a small talker. <laughs> I try and stay to myself, but well, I mean, when, I, when I open my mouth. That's what people do, though. I mean, you know, like, when you're when you're in a new setting, like, and you want to, you know, you want to strike up a conversation with somebody, like, I don't know, like, how you break the ice. You might as well throw an inappropriate joke out, just see how it lands. <laughs> Yeah, that's not me. That's um, Jack's really good at that. Jack can just start talking to strangers, and it's great because I just sit there in horror, thinking like, "Why would you talk to them? I don't know them. What are they gonna do now?" I've so, been, I've been out with Jack a few times over the years, and uh, he's a yeah, legend. He is. He is. Fucking love that man. Ask him about the blackout burrito. Man, I got a million stories. I don't think I need them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll do those off off air. Um, God, those know. are great. I'm happy to tell you some great ones off air. Yeah, man. But well, okay. So let's let's start with that, like, and then like work into like you know how how you connected with Hickson and stuff. But you know, I know you first through Jack. Jack is the first person who ever like said your name was like, hey, my friend Chris Burns. And I remember Jack going to Australia, like uh, you know, several times. I feel like, and that was to to go to your gym, right? Yeah, so uh, I um, Australia was a wasteland of jujitsu when I started because like back in the day we didn't have like social media and apps and you could just watch people doing moves and shit. Like I had a dirty old copy of like Defazio and um, Nino Shembri. Oh, like Nino. the VHS tapes. Wow, I guess I've got a whole row on my, one of my bookshelves. I'll give Dude, you. They're, they're gold. Yeah, I got like old Dan and Asano, which I think I found out Chris Howder is like a, an instructor under Dan and Asano, if I'm not mistaken. Which I'm, I'm wearing my Chris they, they, shirt uh, right now. Nice. Yes. Fucking hey. Support. support. Yes. That, they, they, um, I will say doing that dude's seminar was one of the craziest, funnest experiences ever. Is Asano or Chris? It, uh, Chris training with uh, oh, yeah. Chris yeah I haven't got to train with Inasano um, like like right when I got to the point in life where I had enough time and money to do that he wasn't teaching seminars but he's starting to teach some seminars again right now on the other side of the pandemic yeah so, um, Chris on the other hand like he, he is nonstop. Yes. He's a he's a literal living legend so. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to him, and um, he said he would come on the podcast. I just gotta, I've gotta, oh, get, awesome. gotta get a hold of him and set it up. But it, you, you definitely know, do. It was like training with him was an experience, you know, like, <laughs> I mean that in a positive light. But just like you, you know, you're laughing. You know, you've trained. I've saw pictures of you trained with him the other week. Um, yeah, man. He, um, he's an old friend. Uh, we know each other for a long time. And he is, uh, he gets better with age. <laughs> I, you know what I told him the first time I saw him? I was like, man, you look way better in person. And then he just did, <laughs> did that, that glare. But, you know, I will say it's interesting back to Jack, how <laughs> Jack has been like a nexus for me for 
a lot of people like that. I believe the first time, the first time I, I, you know, became aware of Howder was uh, hearing him on that SoCal role documentary, right? <laughs> like, you could be doing anything in 10 years. Why not be a jiu You know, that quote. And, yeah. and then kind of had charted him a little bit. But, like, that was really the first time I started becoming aware of Chris Howder. But then I started, I saw Jack and him teach a couple seminars together. You know, yeah. and then just um, really started getting into um, anything I could find of his uh, and it was awesome training with him. But um, that, you know, Jack is a cool, like I said, a nexus, Eddie Fivey, like I've, I've met Eddie when we trained uh, when like the with Hickson out at that seminar in Vegas and had him on the podcast and yourself. So but how did you how did you meet Jack? Like, how did y'all get into contact with one another? Um, so I found Jack on the internet. So what happened was I was stuck in the middle of nowhere and there was no one teaching what I wanted to learn. So I had to kind of drag people to me. And at one point, my instructor uh, to this day, Jason Robig, was doing a, a seminar in Melbourne. And it was the first ever Hickson black belt that was anywhere near me that I could meet. And uh, I, I went running. So after that, I found out the, the huge difference between Hickson's stuff and everybody else's. I mean, like, you can't explain it. I'm not going to bother. Like, you either know or you don't. Either you're shitting on them or you're not. Here's, well, here's a, a, way, a way I explain. Because, like, I tested for my judo black belt the week after I trained with Hickson for the mm -hmm. first time, right? And I'd spent, like, seven years learning how to do some throws, yeah. I learned more judo in that one sem two seminars than I did in like seven years of doing judo, right? But he he taught me how to not get thrown. Everybody else is teaching you how to how to fall. That dude's like, here's how to not get thrown. Yep. You know, like this, like a a total different perspective. And I mean, that's a microcosm example, you know. But I'm I'm a huge fan. I'm, it's um, it's uh, I'm like you, man. I've I've why I love training with Jack and do privates with him continually. I've hosted him in my gym while I'm having you in. It's the same. Like, oh, hey, there's this this Hickson dude who has all this Hickson privy information. I'm trying to do, like, I'm, I'm down that's, here. Fuck that's how I found Jack. So I was doing the seminar with Jason, and Jason left town. And I'm sitting there, like, I need more. And there's nothing out there. This is way before uh, Henry Akins was filming anything and releasing stuff. I was just sitting there obsessed with wanting to understand Hickson's point of view when it came to jujitsu. So I'm looking up Hickson guys and I stumble across a video where he's teaching. I think it was that thing he was doing with Budo Jake. And, uh, 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 BJJ versus cancer. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But that's where I was introduced to Jack. I found him on YouTube and, uh, I was like, wow, that's really interesting. He seems like a nice guy. I'm gonna send him a note. So like, I always reach out. If I, if I want to talk to somebody, I'm going to send them a note. I'm going to talk to people. I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, well, they'll never talk back. It's a 50-50 shot. Jack is a 100% shot. You send him a message, he's going to message back. Yeah, I did not know that. The second I messaged him, it was like, ding, the second. <laughs> so we started a conversation, and that conversation escalated into dick jokes within like five minutes. And we fell in love. We've been together ever since. Yes. Now, it, it, you know, that's, I think, how the band Blink-182 got together, too. So, like, <laughs> similar, similar, there's dick jokes. <laughs> they always make that. They're like, 
that's like one of their mantras. They're like, we just started off making dick jokes, and <laughs> and now here we are. Well, but, that's uh, me and Jack's relationship. So um, he's a wealth of knowledge. It's unbelievable how much this man knows. It, it truly it was, is. He, you know, he's been on the show a couple of times, but. I mean, and I, this is not a burn to anyone I've ever trained with, to my instructors or anything, but Jack has taught me more jujitsu and more about jujitsu, more functional stuff that I use than any anyone ever, than most people combined. You know, I, I mean, and that's like, man, I have, I'm kind of like you, like I, I seek out that information and, you know, there is something special about the stuff we're talking about. Right. And all the people I, I feel like that have anything negative to say have never been in the room with that guy. Yeah, that's basically how it is. Um, anyone who shits on Hickson or invisible jujitsu, which not a lot of people do, but if there is a chunk of people that want to pretend that it's not a thing or that they've reinvented the wheel and that they've made it better. Yeah, OK, cool. Then you obviously aren't in the room with Hickson enough. You know, because these simple, like, broad answers change everything. You know what I mean? Like, when you were saying that Jack has taught you things that nobody else has ever taught you, that's Hickson. You know, like, me and Jack just listen to what he says. There's not a lot of people that do that. There's a lot of people that take photos with him. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, if you just shut up and listen. And he says, I tell you, take you that way. Lean. Oh. Fuck. Yeah. So that's where me and Jack met, like head to head. Like, yeah, no, I'm gonna do what he says. So. Yeah. No. It. Um. Man, I've had so many moments like that with Jack too, about just like light bulbs. Why didn't I think of that? Like, you know, where it. You know, he. I. I just told somebody I've been working with a guy one on one over posture and guard, which everybody you know talks about, but. You know, like when Jack was first telling me about that, he was like, hey, if you'll learn this, you won't get put in arm bars <laughs> and triangles and guillotines yeah, and cross jokes and swept with the pendulum sweep. And the, and it, I was just like, well, now you kind of have my attention, you know, like. Well, it turns out jujitsu is really fucking easy uh, and nobody wants to know that. Everybody wants to think that they have to have a thousand answers. Like if somebody's working on K-Guard this month, wait, I need to know how to stop K-Guard. No, you don't. You needed to know base. That was it. You needed to know base, connection, and weight distribution, a little bit of distance management. That's it. And all of a sudden, jujitsu becomes kind of vaguely boring to people. You know, like I don't get to go upside down. I don't get to do this. I don't get to invert for this. I don't get to do all the cool shit. You're hurting my back just talking about that shit, okay? Well, I'm living proof that sport jujitsu can suck a bag of dicks. I, I broke my spine doing it. So I'm not so you've going competed. back. You've competed a fair amount. Yeah, I did. I, com I, I was a competitive uh, up, up the brown belt. I think I stopped at brown belt. Me too. But I broke my back around purple. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to stop doing this. You know, okay, so I will say this. Like, we were texting about knee shield yesterday, so, and mm -hmm. half guard. But, you know, when I, I, I was the same way. Blue through brown belt, I competed. There were times when I was competing three, four weekends in a row. Right? It was just like anywhere uh, there, there was a tournament in my region. I would fly, drive, you know, whatever. 
but man, when I was playing like a ton of half guard knee shield specifically, uh, I had all of these problems with my low back. I had all of this <laughs> hip pain. Um, and it was just like, you know, I was just playing on one side and I would throw my knee up and then everybody would just lean into that knee. And it was just essentially driving my hip out of place, I guess. But uh, like my chiropractor all the time, he's like, bro, I can't believe you don't have any more problems with your low back. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I see I stopped doing this shit that irritated it. Like, I don't do that anymore. So because it was breaking my body down, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, that's an, another thing on the Hicks and stuff, too, though, and not, not not necessarily relevant to that. But it's just like there's a reason for everything. And then there really is that shit. That yeah, you, it's not getting punched, punched in the, in the face. face. Okay, so it. has Jack told you this story uh, at the Vegas sem seminar? This is classic. He was like showing, uh, it was like uh, it was moving from open to closed guard and kind of kind of knee shielding a little bit to take the back. And um, he's showing it on this guy and he's showing him how to kind of, you know, lift his hips up. And then Hickson hits this dude in the nuts. Yeah. And he's like, cover that shit up. <laughs> like, oh, so that's... That's not even a Vegas one. That's that's worldwide. So every seminar I've ever done with Hickson, dude, jujitsu was for fighting, and I don't have to argue this. The history of what I do for a living was not a sport, and I never got into this because I wanted to do a sport. Get some points. I think there's there's a large percentage of people that nowadays maybe because it's getting more well-known because of Joe Rogan, they want to do the sport of jujitsu. Dude, when I started, I wanted to know how to defend myself. And to this literal day, I want to know how to defend myself. I don't care about winning a medal that I paid for. That's never been the purpose for me. So the, the different, like there's two fucking lanes. I'm sorry, you've got competition. Period. And yes, if you're a competitive guy and you got into a street fight, you got a much better chance of winning that fight, right? Meanwhile, you could accidentally break your own spine going for an inverted heel hook. Help yourself. That's fine. What I wanted to do to begin with was learn how to defend myself. And that's why I'm so like hardcore in the lane of Hicks and, and I'm not changing. How old? Like, are you? About 40. 40. Okay. Well, yeah. you know, okay, so here's the thing. I'm, I'm 36 <clears throat> next month and, you know, um, have had some injuries, torn labrum, uh, dislocated collarbone, just different things over the years, you know, that I've had to deal with and I'm not, I'm, I'm getting older. And um, some of that other shit you just talked about, like there's not longevity in that stuff, you know, no, not. in the older I get. In it's the HGH. <laughs> yeah, that's back to Joe Rogan. <laughs> Um, <laughs> dude but, if i could uh, get it i'd take it jesus hey <laughs> hey well let me do my so i have this orthopedic doctor friend that comes in he's actually 74 years old um he's a hip doctor he did, did uh, replaces people's hips but um he is from the philippines um, yeah. born in china grew up in the philippines and he was the lightweight champion of the philippines in judo he's a sixth degree wow um, but this dude is a medical genius also and martial arts practitioner he comes in, I'll train with him and he's great. But he started, uh, he started getting me taking this stuff, which is a natural supplement, um, called Tonkat Ali. And uh, it's, 
It does definitely like I've noticed a difference with recovery, sleep and energy. And I just take two a day and then I take I started taking two cordyceps mushrooms a day. And these are both like natural testosterone boosters. But um, I've been telling everybody about it because I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm like 10 percent more sleep, better sleep, um, just like feeling better physically overall, like recovering a little faster between workouts and stuff like that. So. That sounds interesting. I'd like to try that. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> like I said, I've just been kind of trying to plug it to everybody because he was like, hey, everybody's been talking about this stuff um, at conferences because doctors don't, like, he's like, we, we don't like doing testosterone shots. He's like, because if that person is still making any testosterone after they get off the shots, they won't be is basically what he said. But he's like, these routes are natural and you don't deal with that. If you stop, you know, it's just like you just go back to your normal production. It doesn't mess with your production. Uh, okay. But it gives you, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. But that I was looking for something like that for a while. And, um, but everybody just kind of does the, you know, go the, get the cream. You can do the TRT cream or the shot. Uh -huh. Yeah. Joe, I found a really simple one. Not rolling like an idiot. Not over. That one helped me. Here's a, a lot for you. There is no <laughs> overtraining, only under recovering. Like that's another. Hey, one. I like that. Danny Dring. That's a Danny Dring quote. Nice. Uh, I like Danny. Yeah. So I think I told you he's coming to the seminar. He's pumped about it. That's cool, man. Yeah. I'll show you as much soon as I can. Dude, I'm pumped. Um, and two, I will say, like, we we were texting about this, but um, I've been working with, like, uh, we just had a tournament. I do have some people compete. But, man, I, I did have several of the, of the students just get stuck in mount, you know. And, and I've been working with them this week, like, cleaning up a lot of that up. Um, but – and then we were just like, well, we got to stop. We got to stop what we're doing and do mountain escapes next month also, you know, man. So like we're, but man, this is great because when you uh, asked me three weeks ago about a topic, I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm working all this side control with Jack on the side with Joseph also. And, um, so I was like, oh, I don't know. But man, after the tournament, we did like, so like I had like seven students total get mounted, you know, and we had like 25 compete. So, and they did multiple divisions, a lot of them. So it's like, but that was just a note we, we observed in the, it was two days of coaching. And, um, I, I really haven't worked a ton with Jack on anything other than the bridge roll and that tech matter. So I'm, um, very anal retentive. So when it comes to a position, I want to know literally everything top and bottom. So when it comes to the mount underneath defenses, you have, Defenses when they're striking, and there's defenses when it's jujitsu. Now they are not dissimilar whatsoever. So the two things that you need to be aware of more than anything in the world is the hip escape and the upa, and those are both taught wrong worldwide. <laughs> See, when you said budo videos earlier, and I was like, oh, we're talking about Jack because in my mind, like, you know, when Hickson started like coming back onto the scene. One yeah. of his first things was he did that Budo Budo video videos where he taught everyone how to do the bridge and roll for the first time. Yeah. So it's, it's little things like that that people – it's such a dying art. No one seems to give a shit. Everyone wants to do the new matrix complex system of whatever. They, they've reinvented the wheel a million times over. And if you have to invert from closed guard to do a back take, 
rolling over your shoulder. I quit. I'm done. So like, I had a gentleman one time at a gym I was teaching at just a, about a year ago. He was in the bottom of closed guard and he reached under my leg and tried to let go of the guard and swing himself around. And his white belt. And I'm just sitting there staring. And he just swings back and then swings away. Swings back, like expecting something to happen. I don't know what anyone's doing anymore. I, I've gone so far off the reservation of cool that I've given up. When it comes to simple things like the hip escape, if you don't know how to do that, you don't know how to do 99% of jujitsu. Yeah, you're just doing break dancing on a slip and slide. I couldn't give a shit anymore. When, in regards to Hickson, yeah. So what? What do you? Okay, so. I have similar thoughts like this is a, this is a viewpoint in, in jiu-jitsu, right? And it's not just Hicks and people, but like, I mean, I think like there's a large demographic, like people that are 40 and up, like myself, I'm 35. But like, where do you think a lot of this stuff that we're talking about that kind of does muddy the waters of because look, I think of it from this way. Like I have over 400 members at my gym. I have a lot of jiu-jitsu students and some of them because their friend here was competing they're like oh i should compete you know and then it's like but really they probably shouldn't they should probably just enjoy it for what we're talking about you know but then there's like it muddies the waters in that regard and then then this person's like well you know i'm gonna compete against these people and they're gonna go upside down and shit and <laughs> i'm gonna have to i should go upside down too like nope, it's like you just need to find base Somebody throws a Superman punch, the other person almost immediately throws it. Like, it's just almost this mimicking <laughs> going on. But yeah. what do you think What do you think started bringing all that in to the audience? Uh, okay. okay. I'm going to quote, quote Jack, Jack, of all people. Nature, Nature abhors a vacuum. He, hey, he just said that like two days ago. Or did you yeah. post that? I, I posted that. I like to quote that because sometimes Jack's smart. So, Nature abhors a vacuum. There is an empty space. People have a tendency to fill it with horse shit, right? So what happened was, and I, I, I will stand by this until I'm fucking dead. When the Gracie started teaching jujitsu in America, they only taught so much. And when Hickson was competing, he only taught so much. You weren't supposed to tell anybody else what was happening because then they would know what to do. It's like, oh, he's going to do this, so I have to do this. So it was like this big secret, because when the UFC was happening, it, it was this secret weapon that no one could know about, right? It was a hidden thing. Not everybody knew what jiu-jitsu was. So they didn't teach everything. They would hide certain things, you know? You've heard that saying, like, Hicks and guys feel different. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's not just catch wrestling. You know what I mean? It's not just scrambling around looking for submissions and the stronger guy wins, right? So this was refined and whittled down over a, a long period of time. And until recently, only Hickson guys would know Hickson stuff. Now, it's becoming a lot more known, right? It's, it's able to get out there because of the internet, because of COVID, because of filming things, because of guys like Henry. Henry filming and answering questions. Like, it's, it's out, out now. I love the fact that when Henry teaches something, it's mind-blowing to some people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, these guys have been rolling around in a garage in Kentucky or something, and they saw a video on YouTube, and they're trying to emulate it. 
there's a huge difference between kind of sort of seeing something and then having Hickson physically show you and make you feel why something works. And then pointing out all the deficits as to why it wouldn't work if you do it like this. You know what I mean? So that's where that empty space comes from, is that no one knew. No one knew that they didn't know. So you just started imitating, right? So I'm going to shoot him for the double leg. Okay, drop a level, see what happens. You know what I mean? As opposed to, I'm going to cover and clinch correctly, and then I'll take the double leg if he gives me the double leg. So there's a huge difference between Hickson's double leg and every wrestler in America, right? So you don't know what you don't know. That, that's a, I was thinking that quote as you were saying this, but um, I, I same seminar that I learned judo from Hickson. <laughs> um, I, just brawls, so you know, I went through the Gokyo, Gokyo with him. Oh, so God. I've gone over. If you're interested, I'll show you Hickson's clinched version of all these throws. Uh, I would love, and that. a lot of it's been whittled out. I, well, and too, yeah, you know, a lot of the like throws that he was uh, working, like Sukanagi. Um, which is like the the reverse double leg kind of leg skip yes. throw. Um, yeah, Kokinagi, Sukuinagi. That that is um that, that's kind of gone by the wayside in judo because you can't grab the legs in competition anymore. You know? Yeah, there's no rules with Hickson. Exactly, it's what works. It is Bruce. It is what is efficient. It's what is correct. If it's useless, let it go. If you've got too many deficiencies for that move, if you have to be stronger or faster to do it. Not jujitsu. You can take strong and fast and put it over here and use it when you need it. Jujitsu should be applicable for everyone. So you went through like all five groups together? Yeah, well, basically, I whittled them all down to the most useful because I don't want to grab a gi. I don't like getting punched in the face. It's not fun for me. I've been punched enough in my life. I'm done. If I get into the clinch, not gonna get punched as much that was uh one thing that stood out to me that was really interesting about training with hickson um he did the like punch me in the uh touch my face and he's he's picking it off with the elbow and like coming in for the underhook but at one point during the stand-up he like put the hand on the chest and he's like you know i could do this or i might do this mm -hmm. and that's really the only grip he showed and like you know, I'm happy to show you more. It was hours of seminar, but he was just like, yeah, you know, sometimes I'll grab. But it wasn't grip reliant. Like, you know, in judo, it's like. No, it's base reliant. So here's here's a good answer. Let's say my hand is like an antenna. When I connect you with the hand, it's not a limb versus your body. Let's say that hand needs to connect all the way to my left foot. My left foot connects to the ground. So now when you push into that hand, you're pushing into the ground. The ground is solid. The ground is not moving. I have base, right? So now when you start to pull, I turn my knee and I anchor my weight. There's tiny little things that are going to be able to make life a lot easier for you when it comes to takedowns and grappling. And base is the most important thing because base plus connection equals base. If my hand isn't available, my elbow is. If my elbow isn't available, my shoulder is. Does it make sense? It kind of works its way up the antenna of connection. So when I'm in an over-under clinch, my shoulder is connected, not my hand. So depending on distance management, uh, worry about getting hockey punched, you know, from grabbing onto the knee. I don't like getting uppercut. It's not fun, right? So I like to be tighter with my clinch. So all of my takedowns 
are, let's say, no gi judo slash wrestling slash sambo. It's all the same thing, right? And I don't care about the idea of dropping levels to grab legs. I will grab the legs if they're available, but I'm never going to drop below your chest because you can add weight to me. So I'm happy to show you every damn takedown. Yeah, no, well, I just, man, I love. There's way less, throws. by the way, way less throws. I'm, I'm about, I'm about dwindling down these days. Like I have, uh, you know, and I haven't seen this yet, but I saw Hicks in there a while back and I just haven't watched it. Um, on the Hickson Academy, but uh, my favorite throw was always Ukiwaza, <clears throat> right? It's like a sacrifice throw, but I saw in my email, um, he put out apparently like, a, you know, some, a couple of different videos on it, but um, it's just like that sacrifice where you like leg, pr it's like leg yeah. prop. Like I, I like thing. to just call it a lateral drop. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, so what it is. What's fascinating about his Ukiwaza is instead of, falling and pulling across the leg you're not pulling you're actually sitting and your ass is moving away so it's this weight distribution concept of the person being dragged now when you do a takedown you should know i'm not going to let's say i'm not going to uchigari if you're pushing into me am i uh, we've lost viewers. <laughs> so, like, if you're pulling away, I'm going to assist in your pull. If you're pushing in, I'm going to assist in your push. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. yeah. So okay. what? Yeah. I, it does. Yeah. So from that over under, he's actually anchoring down and away with base. So when he does it, I'll do it to you so you can feel it. You anchor down and away, and they're already assisting to begin with. Right. So that clinch is important. It's very important. Well, you know, some of the stuff he got into um, at that first day of the seminar was, uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of people in, that do Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, like, like back with like Alio, uh, the T position, you know, like yeah. where you're basically standing. It, it's not a thing. You, what, like getting beside somebody and like connecting your hip like that before you uh, Ogoshi or whatever, you know? Yeah, no, no not, not a thing. A thing. Really? All right. I'll have to yeah, I'm happy to show you what he does. So the T position, you have no base. So if you imagine I'm standing in front and you're standing next to me, and we look like a letter T, right? Physically, if I lean this way, your weight goes into your toes. If I lean this way, your weight goes into your heels. Correct? Yeah. Okay, so you're in what's called a neutral base. You're only good side to side. You're not good back and forth. You have to step one foot forward, one foot back into a fighting base. The arm that's forward is a leg that's forward forever, and you need to anchor to their hip and their elbow. When they pull away, there's a resistance. When they push in, there's a wall. That's what creates the takedowns. When you push in, I get the hip throw. I get the hoist. When you pull, I step, I hook, leg hook takedown. If you pull your hip back, hip throw. So everything comes from finding my base you had to try and push or pull too much. You give me, let's say, uh, what, what, what do you call it? Fuck, when you move people around spastically in judo. Uh, uh, kazushi? You just talking <laughs> yeah, about kazushi? Or yeah, you give me kazushi. Yeah. So you're the one giving the kazushi. I'm not creating kazushi. Mm -hmm. I become a solid thing that you had to move, and you give too much or take too much. 
see, yeah, he taught he got he taught that lesson in one of the one of the days, like in like the beginning, right? But mm-hmm. what was funny is like looking around the room, because like I'd never seen any of that shit. Looking around the room, you're like, oh man, so many people also don't get it. And like he actually came over and worked with us, but everybody was doing like they had had the underhook or whatever. Yeah, they put their nose before their toes. Their hips were back. So, like, the new thing was, like, oh, I connect the hip. And, you know, he was trying to pull the – every time he'd pull the head to try and pull Mm -hmm. the head down, it's like – Okay, so that's a head It would lift their feet up off the ground. Uh, Okay, so so I'm going to show you and I'll explain explain all of this to you. you. When you get into the side planche, if you put me in a headlock, there's a positive and a negative. If my head's going forward, I'm at a deficit. My nose is before my toes, and it's easy to add weight. Your job is to do the opposite. So your hip connects and your head goes back. If they're not pulling your head down, your hip does not connect. Your hand is connected. It seems very finicky. But what you're doing is you're basically learning how to do the opposite of what somebody wants. That's it. So when he showed you how to not get intensity, also, yes. Yes. Like if they're pulling with the three power, you're pushing with the three power. So I'm never going to go over. There's something that my coach does called uh, body wiring. And we do this from neutral base. If we find a neutral base and someone puts two hands on the shoulder and starts to push, if I push back even harder and they let go, I'm fine. Yeah. That's a takedown. If you push and I didn't push enough, that's a takedown. So learning the intricacies of connection through body wiring, I think is very important. Being able to understand that my left foot equals my right shoulder with these parameters, and I don't over or underdo anything. That's what makes Hickson's Jiu-Jitsu so refined that it's annoying, right? So to the point where people are like, yeah, whatever, I'll just fucking barrel through, I'll do a, a blast double, like, help yourself. Cool. This guy's been literally like down in a creek sharpening a sword for 60 fucking years and it's a razor. I don't need to blast double. Thank you. You know, I've been describing Hickson to people recently as the Masashi of Jiu-Jitsu. He is. And that's like, sounds douchey to say, but he fucking is. Like I do in there. Well, see, like if I run into somebody that doesn't know who Masashi is, I'm like, he's the samurai who got tired of killing people with a steel sword. So he started whittling boat paddles and shit and killing them with fake wooden swords. (laughs) 60 people. I have uh, an immense amount of respect for that man. There's a reason I do what I do. And it's not because I want to suck up. And I sure as shit don't want to be in the limelight. Like this, If you want to be in the limelight for anything, this is not the profession. I don't understand why people want to be on social media and push themselves out there and be like a, a, like a guru or some shit telling people how to live their life. This guy was born into a family that did one specific thing. And he took that one specific thing and gave his body and his time and his life to it. There is something very commendable to that, right? The fact that he has refined an art out of his passion is the reason I am with this guy. Also, he's never been a dick to me. (laughs) He's always gone above and beyond to help me. Always. When is the first time you trained with him? Like, how did that come about? I met him through Jason Robig. 
So Jason uh, was my first introduction to physically feeling Hicks and Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. So um, he taught me how to do a hip escape. And that that was a whole day of my life learning the hip escape. And I will never like, forget that moment. The fact that you can build a frame that can bear weight and add weight. Like, because I fought guys that are like seven times bigger than me on a daily basis. It was just a shit show. That's why I ended up doing so much fucking half guard, because I couldn't wrap my legs around these giant fucks. It turns out you're not supposed to. If you can build a frame, if you if you imagine I'm in the middle of helping with Hickson's second book. And one of the best metaphors that we're using visually that I'm drawing, if you had a brick on top of a brick on top of a brick, it's, it's kind of fucking heavy. It's hard to move. But if you had a brick and then you put a little pyramid, and you put a brick on top of that, it's very easy to move that brick, isn't it? Yeah, so your job is not to be strong and flexible and shit. You have to learn how to build frames that can bear weight and add weight. It's this phenomenal thing that he teaches specifically that I'll, I've never learned from anyone else. So I was taught that by Jason Robin. And that was my first introduction to this. And I had never turned back. As I got like threw my belt away, I was like, all right, teach me from scratch. Let's do this. And I did. He brought Hicks into town for some seminars back in, um, fuck knows, long time ago, back when he used to travel. So he came over to Queensland and uh, Melbourne and Sydney, and I was I was there. Any room that man was in, I was there. I went out of my way to make sure I was in his presence so I could pick something up. And what happened was, in Queensland, I was still recovering from a broken spine, and I couldn't do anything. I was just defending and laying on the bottom, like, kill me. Eventually, like, I could move again, but I had no strength in my lower back. I could pull my back out all the time. At one point in the, sh in the show, in the seminar, he was doing the rear grab defense throw over the shoulder. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that one. Is there something else I can do? He's like, why can't you do it? I was like, I, I, my back hurts. He's like, you don't use your back. Oh, what do I do? They walked me through step by step, and I didn't hurt my back. And when he walked away, I was like, all right. I've got, I've got questions. questions. <laughs> so, so I talked to Jason in the corner and Jason was like, you know, he slipped like 17 discs. Oh yeah. He's done more damage to his back than you have. Why don't you ask him about his recovery stuff? I was like, you, will he let me talk to him? He was like, yeah, just hang out afterwards and ask us. So I waited and I think I waited like a good hour because everybody wanted photos and all this shit. And I went over and I said, if you got two seconds, I got a bad back. And I was wondering about what you did for your recovery. That motherfucker spent an hour with me. And, and like, I believe Ty Humphrey was there in the background. He, he was kind of hanging out. It was just Hickson showing me back exercises. He hung out way longer than he ever needed to. And he showed me as much as he could to help me. Nobody didn't know who I was. Random fucking asking for a favor. I, I've had his back ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, um, man, I will say, like, it's, um, I, I've only got to train with him just two times, but they were life-altering experiences for me. And, like, when I say that to people, they don't really get it, you know? No, no one gets it until they do it. 
But man, it did. And two, like, um, one of those seminars was a, like the the red belt seminar, you know, which he doesn't wear. But um, <laughs> I was drilling with him when he got when they came in and did that. I, he was showing Stick the technique on me, and I was just like, "Oh wow, what I'm a part of this moment," which you know doesn't get the red <laughs> belt, but but it's in the safe or whatever. Apparently, he'll get there eventually. He follows his fucking rules and he lives by his word. Again, I respect him. Not a lot of men do that. You know, um, it, I tell this funny story about that seminar. Like, there was this guy there, and I, I forget his name. I've looked it up a few times, but it was this really old uh, Brazilian guy who spoke maybe no English. And they're like, hey, we're giving you this red belt. Nixon's like, kinda, you know, it's emotional, right? And then he's like, oh, wait, I, you know, I, I have my principles, and... I'm not wearing this. Uh, I'll put it in the safe. And and then they're like, no, no, you need to take it. And then, like, everybody's saying their piece, and we're all just, like, listening intently. And then this one dude speaks up, this this Portuguese guy. I mean, he looks like he's in his 90s. And he apparently was one of Alio's students was what how I remember this, right? And he's, like, gives this huge monologue in Portuguese. And you remember when Anderson Silva fought in the UFC and he would say all this shit and then his translator would be like, Anderson says, thank you very much. You know, like, <laughs> but like, it was like that. And then Hoyler's like, he says, dad would have wanted you to have it. He like, that was kind of like the, those big, long thing. And uh, that yeah. was the yeah. interpretation. That Turns out it was all dick jokes. jokes. <laughs> Little Dino. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But that was, um, man, that was commendable that, that aside uh what well, yeah like yeah like that he's like i mean his he, you know it, he very easily could have just uh accepted it but you know he he made then it a, wouldn't have been hicks with that he made a statement you know yeah he yeah, did, did. <laughs> but uh man that that um that was such an awesome event to be a part of uh, you're very lucky what so when is like what year is this that you're training with him for the first time like when it when is that going mid 2000s so it was like early mid 2000s it was a bit ago i've been training with him nearly a decade so i had like the first decade of jujitsu was horseshit and the second the second decade was like catching up so um i'm under two decades but i didn't keep a good track so i do know that I started doing seminars with him a while back and then seminars became flying out to America for the chance of doing privates. So I would come over and I'd train at his sons and do private lessons and shit. And I'd always send him a message. He'd be like, Hey man, I'm in town. You ready for a private? I think I did that like five times. I flew to America multiple fucking times trying to do this. He's like, yeah, maybe next time. Like, cool. I'll see you next time. And I kept doing it until he's like, okay, come to my house. So we went to the house, started doing privates at his house. And they just built from there because I moved over to America. And the place where I was working wanted to be a Hickson Academy. And I was like, okay, we can do this. How about we start doing privates with Hickson? Like, oh, well, no one gets to call Hickson. I'm like, call Hickson. Let's organize the private. When I organized private with him, I said, why don't we do this every month? And, you know, we'll represent you. And that, that fell apart, but I didn't. 
I showed up every fucking month. So for the first chunk that I was here, I would drive out to LA seven hours and just sleep in the car for the weekend and see if he would do a private. So I just kept showing up. Like, I'm here. Okay, maybe next weekend. All right, next weekend I drive out. Okay, maybe next weekend. Cool. Drive out next weekend. <laughs> then eventually it was like, fine. I just started doing private. And then I started flying, which was much nicer. Uh, yeah oh man um i have driven like from arkansas to vegas multiple times <sighs> arkansas to orlando multiple times how far is that right fuck oh, vegas is like 19 hours orlando 16 <sighs> one way yeah i think it's yeah uh, wrinkles <laughs> around my eyes. <laughs> I, I specifically bought a van that could have a bed in it so that i could do these road trips so I slept in the van down at the ocean. Oh, nice. It was nice. Yeah. Like, I'd go and visit friends in L.A. I'd stop over at Howder's, hang out with him, go and visit a friend named Nori. It was cool. It was a nice little thing. But now it's a, such a regular thing. I fly out, I sleep in Howder's garage. It's nice. Sick. Then uh, we, we go over what we learned at the private. It's cool. Yeah, no, I saw you were just... Like, well, I mean, I don't know. You just were posting pictures and how to two of uh, you were training out there, like, what, last weekend? Yeah, Chris, Chris comes, comes with me to most of all the privates. And um, Joseph comes out. It's always kind of a grab bag of whoever's available to do it with me. You know? Um, but Chris is usually available, so we try and do it together every time. Man, Joseph has been who's uh, been Jack's UK. Yeah, Joseph's a lovely guy. Privates. I mean, yeah, he's a great looking dude, you know. Like, <laughs> fair, you know, very fair skin, nice looking skin. But well, Dave Navarro. He's in, uh, he's in some of the Hickson videos, you know, on uh, Hickson Academy. So, like, um, I was joking with him when he was Jack Zucas, like, man, I, I kind of kind of feel like we know each other <laughs> it's just like we've never talked but you know i saw that's why you i and, fucking hired him man so one of the um, greatest I, judo lessons i've ever been a part of watching on video you were you were the uke and he was like oh, dude, we need to get him to jump in the ocean in a gi and do a photo shoot yes yes <laughs> be good for business that's hilarious yeah well and two he was doing like the but very first private jack turned on with him he was doing the splits and it like to warm up and i was just like and, and Jack's like, oh yeah, this dude's like sixty-eight years old or some shit. Like that. <laughs> and uh, and I was oh, he like, just turned fifty. Yeah, he's like, where's it? Well, but man, two replace shoulder replacements. Oh yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah plus he had a, a thing with his stomach recently. He's a he's a warrior. He keeps coming back. He's good. Yeah, no, but um, it's been awesome. Um. I've done some privates on with uh, Jack over Zoom where it's like I had somebody there and it, I think they went really well, like honestly. But then he's gone above and beyond and had Joseph there for the last yeah, like, Jack's four or five. That. So, yeah. So he'll have an ookie. It's the easiest way to teach is by having an ookie yeah, instead so of just telling people what to do. For sure. So Zoom privates are doable. But the downside is you can't feel what Jack wants you to do or what Dixon wants you to do. They have to have a very sturdy knowledge and base and weight distribution. So every position has a form of base and every response has a weight distribution. So learning how to connect and disconnect 
that's kind of the hidden thing that Hickson has that nobody really pays attention to. That's why the SDU is so fucking good, but it's ignored. So you've got those three-minute videos of the, the standing arm lock from the shoulder grab, and everyone's like, yeah, you got to let them do it. Dude, it's, it's a real thing. You have to have connection and weight distribution to make it a real thing. Well, you know, like one thing I've noticed too that like just about people in general is that like right now, if it's not a 15 to 60 second clip, they don't want anything to do with it. You know, yeah, like, it's unfortunate. like it, I, I remember um, I had filmed a video over like posture. It was like posture and guard. It was like nine minutes <laughs> long. It's like, oh, oh yeah, I explained like one, like 1.5% of this shit to y'all right now in nine minutes and like you like it still went way over your fucking head you know <laughs> like i got out the part about you know not getting put in arm bars and shit but yeah. um you know and they're just like oh we like it when you do the short ones yeah you know but that's oh. like uh peep you know and it's like these are people that like are training jujitsu it's, it's, it's i'm gonna to me. you know it's give you the best quote that i've ever gotten that i live by and it's from chris Feed the hungry, not the bloated. Yeah. I think I saw you post that too. It's true. We, we were in the car talking about people that are uh, spoiled rotten. And they, they, they want, 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 want. And they have no idea what they need. There are people out there that understand how important this is. Right? So there's like, there's Chris... Chris goes out of his way to do these privates with Hicks and Gracie. Chris does not have to do this. Chris is fine. Chris can do his own thing for the rest of his life. Chris is a forever student of martial arts. Every time we walk away from Hickson's, the two of us are fucking silent. We're sitting there eating sushi by ourselves. just like, fuck have I been doing for 20 years? You know, and this is Chris fucking howder. You know, he is hungry. Not loaded. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that that stuck with me because he was telling me like, no, fuck those guys. You know, feed the hungry, not the loaded. Live by that. There are going to be students that genuinely want this, and then there are going to be students that will do twenty lessons and then go down the road to learn how to do K guard. Cool. Like I, the goal is not to have one thousand students repetitively doing what I told them to do. What I want them to do is to have a sturdy bullshit filter and to be able to do this on their own. That was the best thing I ever got from uh, Jason. Jason was telling me that Higson uh, is more of a plug-in adapter. You know, he's the plug-in adapter of jujitsu. You can take all your moves and plug-in adapt what he teaches to it. So the concepts behind what jujitsu is versus what the moves are is more important. So my concepts are different to other people. I don't want my students getting punched. Like, I don't care if you're doing a gi tournament. You need to manage the distance. You're not going to sit up to do a sit-up sweep. They're going to sit up, and they're going to give you the sit-up sweep. Right? You shouldn't be presenting things that can be used against you. This was a self-defense when it started, and it's going to be a self-defense when I'm dead. Yeah, um, you mentioned, uh, like we're talking about, uh, one thing with uh, Hickson that was really remarkable is like every little position, like he was like, claw my face, 
you know, like mm-hmm. I, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but you know, like you would just take a swipe at his face and you're you're this far away. He's like, Yeah, I can't touch your eyes, you know. But he can touch, touch you. you. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, That's distance, distance management. management. Yeah, so exactly. anytime you're in the side clinch, you're in the closed guard, you're in the, the half guard, like no, you shouldn't be there. You're at a deficit. Your job is to sweep and get on top and cover the distance. Right. Or your job is to put them back in the guard, cut an angle and cover the distance. Now, if it's open, same thing. It, hopefully when I'm there, I can show you the similarities between all of these things. So to quote Musashi, you can see the way broadly. You can see it in all things. That's the goal of Nixon's jiu-jitsu. Now, I'm not speaking out of term. You know, like, I don't know what he wants to say the goal is, but the goal is pretty much good luck. That's Hickson's goal. Like, what if I do this? Like, good luck. You know, everybody uh, pays a lot of lip service to the idea of like a principle based jujitsu. But, you know, and like you've talked about some things uh, just since we've been chatting base, uh, posture, um, distribution of weight, connection. But, like, man, those are things that, um, like, those are the things I picked up from studying his stuff or training with him or but particularly like i will just say jack has has really been the main conduit of information because i was like you man like early on i i tell jack this uh i think we talked about it on when he was on my podcast uh before but i used to like find old documentaries of hickson on youtube where it was in a different language but there was English subtitles. There was like, yeah. it was like a Japanese documentary. Yeah. He's like, he's jumping up on a trampoline in it on his belly. Yep. <laughs> like super hot. Anyway. What is so, so cool, cool about that? that before, before I could ever train with him, I used to watch, like people would upload the VHS of a seminar he did in Hawaii back yeah, in the 93. Yeah. So when you watch that, he still teaches it. Yeah. That's the important thing to take away is that when he does the hip bump sweep, two hands touch the ground and you walk around. If you post your hand up, if you post your elbow, back take. It's been like 30 odd years. If it's not broken, you don't have to fix it. That's the best part about it. Is it the Hawaii seminar or Chicago that like... He has the man bun? (laughs) (laughs) There's that. There's that. But... um. It's well, there's one it's an iconic moment to me because Jack did a moment like this. Um, Basically, he gets on all fours and he's like, take my back. (laughs) And like all of these people start trying to take his back and he just like stands up and they fall off. And he's (laughs) like, basically, it's like, yeah, you shouldn't fall off when, you know, you're on someone's back. (laughs) Yeah. So so he does does the same same thing for the mount. mount. Like, Like, okay, mount. mount. And it's basic concepts. So if you're on top in the mount, my job is to make you a part of my hips. Done. That's it. Now all the things work. If you're on my back, hooks in, hooks out, doesn't matter. Are you too high? Are you too low? Are you over under? Like, yeah, feel free to give me your deficits. Right? When you're on somebody's back, you shouldn't fall off. You should be in the middle. See the if middle. The mouth, that's another principle that I didn't mention, but that's that's something I've I've picked up. Like, and these are these are the the really valuable um, 
you know, they're not esoteric, but it's just like you got to be in the the, room, you know? Dude, it is literally the foundation that you build a fucking house on. Just because you have a jacuzzi and a toilet doesn't mean you have a house. You have to have a foundation and a roof. If you understand what the middle is, you're already miles ahead of something. Like I was doing, um, I was teaching at another place down the road and we would always have black belts coming in from out of town because the guy who owns it was famous and the black belts would come in. It would be like a fucking Gracie challenge every week. And these guys would be doing the stupid shit. All I was doing was finding the middle and letting them do stupid shit. And like one in 10 would ask questions. The rest of them would just disappear. You know, like, I like doing the staple pass. Ah, well, I'm happy to show you what to do instead. I like this. Okay, have a good night. Not everybody wants to have the answer. They they just want to know. They want to be reaffirmed in what they think is right. Uh, so, hey, small world sidebar. While we're talking about people that you're training, Jim Ginter. <laughs> Random. Is, is, yeah, so, yeah, he trains me. Yeah, He's I know. Nice I was on a podcast. He had me on a podcast recently. He wasn't on this podcast, but I'm going to get him to come on. But I know Jim because he and I are both white belts under podcasts. So, do you know about Jim's like, like his role with Superfoot? <laughs> oh, bro. I don't know anything about Jim. I know hey, that Jim's so a really sweet guy. He is. He's he's a super nice dude. And I will say I had like a really great time chatting with him. So, do you know who Bill Superfoot Wallace is? Uh, I know him by name. Yes, sir. So, I mean, he's a legend. He was like in movies in the 80s and 90s with Jackie Chan and the different different people. He's, but Chuck Norris is best friend. You know, like what a cool thing. <laughs> like, That's cool. Like Chuck Norris is my bro. Uh, <laughs> but he was the commentator in the first UFC. Right. Um, he was he was the like the Hickson of kickboxing in the late 70s and early 80s. You know, um, and he's also a judo black belt uh, and trained in Okinawa. Got That's where he got into striking. But he crushed his knee throwing someone incorrectly with like a I think an Ogoshi and threw somebody on his own knee. Right. So like, you know, if you're your feet are too far apart. You, anyway. Yep. That happened to him. And um, but he got he got into kickboxing. He's known as Superfoot because one of his legs is bad. But mm. Jim, Jim, like, is one of the guys that, like, runs Bill's organization. Like, like he's, I, I'm, like. No wonder he was so good with the roundhouse kick today. Yeah, bro. He's a yeah, we were doing roundhouse, roundhouse kick defenses at the academy just before this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, honestly, like, in terms of striking, like, he, he has, like, amazing, te- te- like, information, ability. Awesome. Like, this dude's got to be, I don't know what rank he is. Like, I'm about to test for my second degree with Bill. And this dude's, like, been around Bill long enough that he's, like, one of the guys, like, he's on the board, the testings. Like, they put, they were like, hey, we want you to do a podcast with a bunch of the school owner affiliates. And he contacted me and was like, we're going to do a podcast about this stuff. And I was like, cool. But you came up on that podcast and then he saw that you're teaching a seminar. He's like, that's my jujitsu coach. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, dude, I'm in the middle of nowhere. It's so random right now. So the fact that he like found me 
and uh, we've been working. I've been teaching him. I'm, I'm teaching in a gun range next to a prison, next to a, a wildlife thing with lions. How so far away? How far is he driving a train with you? I'm not sure, but it's far because I'm in nothing. Like uh, I'm a good thirty minutes away from Cottonwood, and Cottonwood's another thirty minutes away from like Jerome. So it's two hours from Phoenix. Unless you say we don't get Uber Eats. I, I, yeah, I feel you. Um, yeah, not not happy out here. I came out here for a very specific reason, and now that reason is gone, so I'm kind of looking for the exit. <laughs> what? Uh, so what specifically brought you to Arizona? I mean, you- uh, The singer from Tool. He wanted a Hickson uh, yeah. uh, coach for his academy. And then he didn't want a Hickson coach for his academy. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I didn't mix well there. That was not the place for me. So um, I, I left and started my own little thing. Nice. So I'm just sitting here waiting to see where I go next. Because there's kind of um, a few people that want me in a few places. But we bought a house. And I just had a kid. So we're just uh, sitting out. Plus, I'm training with Hickson all the time. You know, so I don't want to go back to Australia just yet. It's kind of hard to get to Hickson. So we're just deciding what happens. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I feel like uh, I don't know a ton about Jim, but I feel like he's a business guru. Dude, uh, he's very good. He was trying to show me how to run the business here. Okay. And uh, he, he gave me a whole plan on what to do. And then I realized I would have to be here. <laughs> so I took a step back. Like we found a facility and there's enough people here. But, uh, man, I miss the ocean so much, you know? And uh, it's not my vibe out here. Like I said, I wouldn't mind being able to order dumplings at 8 o'clock from Uber Eats and get up and go surfing. That's kind of where I came from. So, so what for you, now. I mean, you think, like, SoCal is a, a better place for you to settle? Or you think, like, like I know you kind of mentioned going back to Australia, or are you just still kind of up in the air on, on all of it? Up in the air. So it depends on my wife. So she works in the film industry. And if she's able to work remote, we can work anywhere. But if they wanted to work in the studio, we're probably going to move closer to the studio. So and wherever I land is where I'm going to build an academy. So if I land back where I already have an academy, I don't have to build it. Because I've got a couple of affiliates already. So who knows? Maybe I'll land in an affiliate. Yeah, I mean, that's... um. You never know, man. I will say, like, this is something kind of interesting that just happened. Um, did Did you watch or chart any ADCC at all this past go around? Uh, well, the stakes have never been so low. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't care less. <laughs> okay. Well, oh, so there was that. There was this tenth planet white belt on there, who trained in San Diego. From my purple belt, like originally trained in Arizona, but then he trained in San Diego with this guy, Gio Martinez, uh, all the way to got his white belt. And he's competing in ADCC and like all like Gordon Ryan, like every heavyweight you ever heard of. He he has a match with him. And that dude moved like right across the river from us and now trains here in Syria like almost every day. I'm just cool. like, what, what are the odds? You know, yeah. like, like the, he just landed. He's like, I was like, bro, why? Why are you here in your Prius in Arkansas? 
you know, <laughs> in not San Diego. And he was born, he was born and grew up in San Francisco, like in the Bay Area. And he was mm-hmm. like, man, my property taxes are $25 a year over here. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I yeah, was yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's why I'm never leaving. <laughs> like, the yeah. cost of living. Um, cost of living is, is all, right, all right, so hear me out. out. Cost, cost of living here is fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, I bet. But what, what are you getting in return? return? Uh, I know. You know like, like, I'm talking about right, like, not where you are. This well, is I've heard, I've people heard here trying to justify like why he. I mean, in years of living in LA, I guess I could maybe get it. But I was listening to him talk on, on like Joe Rogan's podcast or something about like because everybody was like, "Dude, why the fuck did you move out in the desert?" You know, um, and he's got the vineyard and stuff. But it's like that's I've driven like going to Vegas. You know, like. Mm. Russellville is on I-40, and I-40 ends at Barstow, and that's where you turn and go two hours to Vegas, right? Yeah. Like, um, I've driven through Flagstaff, which I think Jim may be around Flagstaff. Pretty sure that's where they have a super foot testing up there. But, bro, once you get the other side of Amarillo from where I'm coming, it's like, what the fuck is what what is going on over here? Like, there's man to each their own. And that's, and that's super, super cool. cool. And I know people that love living in a rainforest. I don't need to be in that kind of humidity. Everybody's into their own thing. Sedona's gorgeous. And the, the town of Jerome is really cool. It's hip. And it looks like a little Disney town where people actually live in it. It's Everything's fine for 10 minutes. You know? And then you realize you got to drive half an hour down a hill to go to the grocery store. Or you got to spend tons of money and have it ordered from Amazon. And maybe it shows up. Meanwhile, like you go out to Sedona and everyone looks like they belong in Whole Foods. So it's not my thing. That's all. And to each their own. But this is definitely not my bag. And again, I'd rather be, I don't know, Surfers Paradise, Queensland. I'd be in Torquay. Yeah, Turkey is nice. What do you th- what do you think um if you're talking economics, cost of living, um anything like that? Like if you're doing uh pros and cons of the United States, Australia, you moving back, I mean it's like is it comparable? Like socialized healthcare. Bro, I know. I I was saying Yeah, no. I I I spent way too much money on insurance when I got here. I didn't know. <laughs> so, America is basically one big cheat code and don't get me wrong I love America there's a lot that I love about America but this place is like one big Ponzi scheme of one person ripping off the other person to rip off the other person like you have a bill that's in the mail for something you never did and it's late and you have to pay that bill or we're going to send you another bill it's a 50-50 shot if someone's stupid enough to pay the bill you know, you get a text message every 10 seconds. Somebody saying, like, we canceled your Amazon account. You need to give me your code. Dude, everyone is trying to find a stupid person to fuck over here at all times. So you have to be constantly vigilant. Meanwhile, in Australia, let's have a be. Hey, we got Crocodile Dundee over here, though. Okay, yeah, It's true. I'm sorry. Like, it, it just runs smoother. But then when it hits a bump... Like when COVID happened and in Victoria, Dan Andrews was in charge. Everything was locked down 24 hours a fucking day. And you weren't over there. You had already come over when lockdown started happening because I know things got really strict over there. Like what? They got super strict. So I was very uncomfortable with that. And that was a, 
a big green light for me to come here. So I was debating whether or not this was a good idea. So I was originally asked to come over and do something very specific that I believed in and I thought it was going to be great. You know, so I came over here with a purpose and I was backed by the fact that like Australia did not feel comfortable. I didn't like the fact that they were saying you can't take the trash out after 6 p.m. You're not allowed to leave your house. If you leave your house, if you're in a park, you have to wear a mask. Like I'm alone in a park and I have to wear a mask. And if you see me not wearing one, it's $200 fine. They found a way to profit off of the drag. And I felt very uncomfortable. That was a good reason that I came here. What is it like right now over there? Any better? Apparently it's fine. So I haven't been keeping up to date with it. I'm pretty sure Dan Andrews is still in charge, but I think they took as much as they could. And then people started not paying because I didn't pay for shit. They tried to find me $10,000 for having my academy open. So I, I was, oh, it's great. So the day that everything happened, I closed my academy one month before they told people to close their academies. Because I had students that were getting sick. And I thought, cool, let's close down for a little bit until this blows over. And I had a lot of students that were pissed off. <laughs> I was like, all right, fair enough. Go fuck yourself. Uh, then they said, all right, your academy can be open, but only two people can be in it to film. So they started making up rules as they went. My academy at the time was in a gym facility. So you had to go inside the gym to get to the mat space to film. Apparently, the people living next door that saw called the police, and the police came down and saw two people in a gym. And they didn't know what the laws were yet. So I had five cops that were super polite going like, I don't know if you're doing something wrong. I'm going to have to call my supervisor. And they came back and said, yep, so we have to ask you to leave. You can't be in the gym. You can be in a facility filming, but not in a gym facility. I said, okay, so that's the rules. Let's follow the rules. Thank you. See you later. Next thing you know, they call me up and say it's a $10,000 fine. So they just started making up rules as they went. And I fought that to the bitter end. I was just waiting to take it to the magistrate's court. And the fun part. Did they drop it? Probably. Yeah, they dropped it. Dude, I'm not paying. You just blew my mind. Like literally the cops around here were like. Hey, like, don't worry, we're not going to fuck with anybody. And then one time there was like a fugitive out over here, something like they were chasing somebody. And and we were inside training with the lights off. It was like going low key, you know, like <laughs> so big open we, we did the same, same thing. thing. So, so I, I waited months. months. I tried to be super cool about it. And everyone that was getting COVID was fine, you know, and then like the comorbidity rates. And there was a lot about people going in there and people saying like he died of COVID. He got hit by a bus. Yeah, but the hospital got $9,000 because he died of COVID. There was a lot of shit happening. Meanwhile, I'm getting a pittance from the government. They're just paying me to exist. And my business is dying. Lots of so, um, sole traders went out of business during that time. And I had a lot of students that wanted to continue to train whether they got sick or not. So I had to make a moral decision. And I did. I let them train. If, if you want to train... I'll, I'll take a, I'll take the risk. Fine. We had a facility that had no windows and we started sneaking into the back and doing classes. This is way deep into it. Like people are done. They're ready to get back to normal. We were super cool for months. My students were all cops. 
So even the cops wanted to train during that time. I had my normal students. I had my police officer students. Nobody was supposed to know anything. Jesus Christ. It was a shit show. And everybody was doing the same thing. They were going about their own business, but doing it like a speakeasy, you know, to be able to survive. At least over here, Americans are like, mm, I'm just going to do my thing. They, they just ignored everything. A lot of states. Yeah. They just like, in my part, nah, I'm fine. In the South, um, man, that's where like uh, even the institutions like the sheriffs and, and law enforcement were like, no, nah, we're not. We're not enforcing that. Yeah, so it was a state-to-state state thing. With Victoria, they gave the police officers their marching orders on a daily basis. They were usually very confused as to what they should or shouldn't do because they had borders. You weren't allowed to drive into the city. You weren't allowed to drive past the border to another state. You weren't allowed to not wear a mask in public. You got a $200 fine. They went really deep. In, uh, Victoria is the place where you get fined because you got a fine. So... I decided to cut a rug. <laughs> we got the offer to come out here. I was like, done. I'm in. But you still have your academy open out there. Is that true? Yeah. It's actually gotten better. <laughs> so they moved into a larger facility and put down spring-loaded mats. They're going to start advertising soon. So we never advertised. We always kind of um, existed. We would have guys from other clubs come in to ask questions. Like, he keeps going upside down. What do I do? Lean to the left. Oh, I'll be back Wednesday. They'd still train over there, but they come over and learn from me. So we never had to advertise. I was always teaching private lessons. So we'll start running it like a real academy soon. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, man, too, you know, one thing like uh, when I was talking about um, – I was talking about all this kind of stuff, like about like running academies with Jim Kinter uh, on mm -hmm. that podcast. But like my number one thing that I always tell people is just like, if there's any way you could cat like this, like, the, you know, here's the thing. I, we have captured some of the essence of Chris Burns through this conversation and recording it. I'm there, sorry. There, <laughs> well, here's the thing, man, you know, Anybody that hits you up, just like when you watch the Jack videos, if anybody sees this, they're like, oh, that guy's authentic. He's an authentic person. You know, you're like, you're, not, bull you're not bullshitting yeah. around, you know, <laughs> and if if you can ever figure out a way to transplant like real authenticity and capture it and in interject it into your business, because like I'm being authentic right now, too, like this is the, the person I am like. I, I say the fuck word and stuff just like you. And then I put it on the internet, you know, like it's Sorry. not, yeah, it's, it's a weird deal, but, um, you know, like people like it, it's authentic and people do. I like how you refer to it as the fuck word. Yeah. That's the fuck word. Anyway, so, but you know, it's like people appreciate me not saying the, the F word, you know, like it's like, I say some, fuck, like it's, a, it's some a people appreciate, appreciate authenticity. authenticity. Some people balk at it. Some people want you to be what they want you to be. And that's unfortunate. That's why I usually end up working for myself quite a bit. Hey, it's it's panned out for me so far. Cause like you're you know, doing good. People well, just people see. At least you're not sitting in a car. <laughs> I like your is that your car seat back there? You got the dog <laughs> under the hatch? My son's car seat. <laughs> it was either this like ask Caleb. The last time I did a podcast, I think I was in a car. It's the only place that's actually quiet in my life. 
Hey, so you see my dog back here dressed as Napoleon Bonaparte? I have the same thing of my dog. I had to do it. I had oh, to. Oh, yeah. My mother-in-law, she got me that, and now I've got another one of my other dog, Gracie. It's so um, sweet. Yeah. I never got one done for Tala because she's a piece of shit. I showed Cora like, those um, pictures of your dogs. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we're we thinking about getting a third one. We, we love our puppies. Yeah, so do we. Uh, we're pretty bad about that, but we got to move, so I can't afford another dog. We'll see after we move. Yeah. Well, um, man, um, this has been awesome. I'm glad we um, got a chance to do this. I was kind of, I was getting worried with, with like I said earlier, with the seminar and privates, and then I know you're going to teach at Caleb's that we wouldn't have time to sit down and, and, and have a conversation yeah. in the studio. I'm glad know, we got so to do this. And do it ahead of time. And, um, you know, I, also tell Jim I said hello next time you see him. I will. I, he actually just came to class today. We were doing um, not getting punched from the mouth. I'm really, really adamant about how Hickson teaches it versus other schools. It's very important to me that you understand how to not be punched underneath the mouse. That is one of the like top 10 things that every jujitsu guy wearing a black belt should know. And there's quite a bit to it. And Jim picked it up very fast. So he's, he's a quick learner. Yeah. Shout out to Jim. I'll see you Good man. The, the next Superfoot camp uh, for sure. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, that guy, his striking is amazing. I saw him put a video of him, like, and then it, it was like, he was showing this one footwork to like a sidekick. And That's I, cool. I was like, Howie, look at Jim Ginter doing this, right? And like, we were drilling it, you know, like me and one of my fighters, I was like, just does kickboxing mostly. And, um, I was training for a fight and I was like, man, cause Bill Wallace, he's known for the sidekick. And, yeah. um, his sidekick is like amazing. This dude will be like. <laughs> Hey, I'm gonna kick you right here. Put your hand here. Don't let me do it. And then he pump kicks, pump fakes, and kicks so hard to the stomach. You lower your hand, and then he kicks you in the face. <laughs> like I've seen him do it to multiple people. I like that. This dude is wild. Um, but man, that's kind of uh, Jim Ginter gets it. Like he's been following that dude around for decades. That's, that's cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, dude. Um. If you need anything uh, along the way uh, on your travels, hit me up. You got my number. It's been awesome. I appreciate that. Chatting with you, man. I, I, we've been going about an hour and a half. Um, and I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to sit down and talk to you. That's not a problem. Thank, Thank you for giving a shit. <laughs> hey, I'm, hey, I'm seeking you out, you know, so you, maybe you finally arrived. People oh, I, I look you forward like to you contacted TV. Jack, you know. <laughs> I'll show you everything I know. And uh, the easiest tilde of all of this i'm going to show you exactly what hickson showed me not what i think he showed me not my opinion about what he showed me i'm going to show you exactly what he shows me excellent man well, and i'm probably going to swear a lot hey you know you'll be uh, you'll be right at home i'm looking forward to it uh, i'll be getting my own private lesson in and the seminar and uh, probably lurking around while you're doing those other privates, you know, peeking, seeing what's going on. I could always use an okay. I, I'm more than happy to help. So, okay, cool. All right, man. Well, have a great day. Uh, Thank you for your time. Awesome, man. Take it easy.